the volume. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Boxing with Chris Mannix is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to bet the action than on FanDuel Sportsbook during the football season. I bet on FanDuel as often and as comfortably as I possibly can. It is America's number one sportsbook. It's easy to use. It's safe and secure. There are fast payouts in as quick as two hours. So many bet types. Same game parlay bets, live betting, player props, futures, and so much more. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started right now. Sign up with the promo code BOXING so they know I sent you. This is Boxing with Chris Mannix. Oh, somebody punch him in the face. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. All right, my guest this week, two of my favorite guys in all of boxing. They are the co-hosts of the DAZN Boxing Show, which you can see every weekday on DAZN, D-A-Z-N.com, or the app. They also have, uh, we call it a fetish with getting punched in the chest by boxers. I, I find this to be, we might have to dive into this a little bit. They are Ock and Barack, again, the co-hosts of the DAZN Box Show. So which one of you wants to address kind of why you guys have this masochistic tendency to desire getting punched in the chest? I saw the Canelo one, and then this week you guys were in Katie Taylor's gym, uh, hanging out with her, letting her wail away on you. So one of you like to address this? Well, I, I've been doing this for years. You know, I've been getting hit by boxing for years. And when you get into the shape that I'm in, Chris, you'll understand. You know what I'm well, saying? Me, I That's got, not going to happen. I got, beaten by my, I got beaten by my father so much. I'm like used to it. I'm a masochist. I just, I just like it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not looking to do that. Uh, I do look, people know this about me. I went three rounds with Juan Manuel Marquez about 10 years ago. Uh, wow. I never want to do that again. Ever. I'm good. Wow. That's pretty good, though. Three yeah. rounds. That's not bad. Yeah, he, I gave, I he, seen that. he gave me a body shot that I think still hurts this day. Like, there's still like a minor bruise uh, on my liver. <laughs> did, you have um, a, did you have a newfound respect for Marquez after that? Oh, yeah. Well, what, what was funny, and people that listen to the show have heard this story before, but what was funny was we did it down at Church Street Boxing down in New York, downtown Manhattan. And, yeah. like, I was there and I had a couple of guys from the gym training me for the last, the previous six months. And Marquez walks in, and he was doing it for the PR. At that point, I think he was the 126-pound title holder. And he walks in, not just with, like, you know, a friend. He walks in with Nacho Beristain, like he needs him. He walks in wow. with a cut man, like he needs that. And he walks in with, like, members of the Golden Boy promotional team, like any of that matters. So it's like, immediately I was intimidated. I was, like, freaked out out of my mind. He must have forgot who he was sparring. Yeah, I think he did. I no. Think, I think he the, saw the, my The question size. is... Ugh. Oh, yeah, right. You're so tall. But the question is, did he have a, a cup of piss with him? Ah, no, no, he did not. And uh, that, that came out years later. That was pre before he uh, did the 24-7 where he was drinking uh, his own urine. Anyway, I uh, appreciate you guys joining me here. And there's a few topics I want to jump into with you uh, off the last week. And right off the top, I want to talk about Anthony Joshua, who has completed his search for a new head trainer, Angel Fernandez who has been a member of Team Joshua over the last three years, coming on in the aftermath of the 2019 loss 
Danny Ruiz. He has been elevated to the head trainer position. So Joshua doesn't really add a new voice, but does shake up the top of his training team, replacing Rob McCracken with Angel Fernandez. Ak, I'll start with you. Um, what do you make of this? Is this the right move by Joshua? Are you surprised he didn't go completely outside of his circle to make a move? Right, well, first off, I don't think it's a big move because Fernandez ha has been part of his camp for the last three years. I mean, a lot of times you might have a head trainer in the ring giving instructions, but a lot of work is done in the gym. And to my understanding, Fernandez has been a big part of his camp. So maybe on a surface, surface it looks different, but in reality, it's not really shaking up that much. It would be like Bomack and Red and that whole uh, Terrence Crawford team. One of those guys is the one that starts to give instructions to Bud Crawford. It's not a big deal. I think that maybe he made his rounds and realized that, listen, I'm comfortable with my team. These guys are not teaching me something out of this world that I haven't seen before. So why make this big move? I think that we're not going to see much of, I mean, I'm not saying we won't see a better Joshua in the rematch, but I don't think anything is shaking up that much. Yeah, I don't I don't really think it's um, he's thinking like that. I don't think he's saying, oh, these guys are not teaching me something that I um, haven't learned before, because I think if you go to a different coach, you're going to always learn something new straight up and down. And and they're probably going to do it the first day. That's what coaches do, you know, to dazzle you to be like, oh, wow, you know, to get you thinking. I think it's just what it boils down to is that he's loyal. He's very loyal. And since Fernandez was already in the camp, that's who he went with. And. I don't know how we could really make an assessment when we don't even know what and what Angel really can provide to um, to Joshua, except that support that, you know, mentally, you know, now we do see what he's did with Isaac Chamberlain, you know, yeah, he, after that loss to Okoli, he's turned them into a better fighter, but we don't know what he can do with Joshua. So I can't. But why really you say what he can do with him, but the reality is he's been there. So it's not like if AJ was doing something wrong, it's not like him and McCracken don't have a relationship where he he can implement whatever he feels AJ needs to do. So where's the real change going to be if he's already infused into that camp? Yeah, sometimes it's like you're the second guy in that in that you know camp in the corner, and you're trying to say something totally different, or maybe you see something different, or maybe there's times when he spoke to Joshua on the side and like, I needed you to do this. I think you should have did this. I think you should have applied more pressure. And maybe Anthony Joshua is realizing that and saying, okay, you know what? I'm going to put you, you in. You think he's going to get a raise? <laughs> <laughs> of course. Of course he is. You're going to get a big cut of that pie. Here's why I understand the move from Joshua's perspective. Any new trainer worth his salt is going to say, look, I need at least two warm-up type fights with you to, mm -hmm. to get you adjusted to me to get me adjusted to you Joshua at least as he was making this decision did not have that luxury he was going straight into the rematch with Alexander Usyk so if I'm Joshua and he spent a lot of time as you guys know visiting with Eddie Reynoso with Robert Garcia with all the top trainers over in the U.S. if I'm Joshua as much as I might have liked what I was hearing from the U.S.-based trainers, a lot of it might have been new. And, and I don't know if I, if if after taking the kind of beating that he took against Alexander Usyk, I don't know if he necessarily wanted to learn something entirely new going into a fight of that magnitude. What I worry about is kind of what you guys are saying. Like, Fernandez, what I know about him, you mentioned Chamberlain, Barack. I also know this yeah. guy has... has uh, worked under a lot of Cuban coaches. And yes. I don't know if I want to see Joshua going up against Usyk with a Cuban <laughs> style of boxing. Like, I, I want to see Anthony yeah. Joshua using brute force. I want to see him taking the fight to Usyk and trying to just knock his head off. I don't want to see him boxing him from the outside, relying on footwork. That's not going to work against Alexander Usyk. He's too good to beat that way. So the, the history of what we know... Of Fernandez, that's what worries me. You're right. I agree right. with you. And I, I have, I have to admit that, you, for, that was my first thought too. When I, when I saw it was Fernandez, I was like, okay, I thought of Salas, and I said, okay. And then you hear, that's that Cuban style. And then you hear him say, well, you know, I like to focus on tech, technical, technical work, um, balance, footwork, stuff like that, angles, and all of that is cool. But when, you, when you think about what Eddie Reynoso said, Eddie Reynoso said. I think Joshua can beat him right now. Joshua could beat Usyk right now. He just has to play that part that he is. He's a big man. Mm -hmm. 
the same thing you did against guys like White, that's what he needs to do. Pressure him, you know, and so it's really already inside Joshua. I believe a trainer just has to bring him I, out. I agree with you, Barack. I, I mean, I don't think he needs to learn so much. Look, that he's a, a, the type of guy that is a thinker. So he wants to get better every fight, every training camp. It's just who he is as a fighter. But sometimes I think somebody has to remind him, listen, you just need to be, to your point, Barack, the Dylan White guy, the guy that, that fought Molina, the guy that is a truck, a tank that's going to withstand whatever Usyk has and just be a bigger man. So in reality, he doesn't need, he needs to be an old AJ. And if you learn something on the way with a new trainer, fine. But AJ needs to be himself. And I think that that would give him the best chance against Usyk. You know, we're all hoping for the best when it comes to Alexander Usyk and what's going on in the Ukraine. If he can't fight on the timetable that Joshua and Eddie Hearn have kind of mapped out in their minds, that might out turn out to be, professionally speaking, good for Anthony Joshua. To get a warm-up fight against someone that vaguely resembles Alexander Usyk, there's nobody that actually does. I mean, he's an Olympic gold medalist, you know, a pound-for-pound type of guy, but like a name that jumps to mind is like Eddie Chambers or something like that. Not Eddie Chambers because he's long since done, but like somebody that's like a six foot two, six foot three boxer puncher that you can kind of work out some of the stuff with uh, your new trainer. That might make some sense. To... Yeah. Well, no, that's he too tall, right? Like he's like, that's more like prepare for fury kind of right. thing. Like I want to see, I don't know who fits that criteria in today's heavyweight division. And that that's also not a serious threat. That's the right. other thing too. You don't want to be taking on, Somebody that might beat you. So, uh, you know, you know what I say? I say he go with Joe Joyce. You know why? Because I don't think he should try to prepare for Usyk right now. I say go with somebody who you can possibly get the win. It'd be ugly and it gives you more confidence. And if Joshua's already saying, hey, I boxed Joe Joyce years ago and I stopped him in the first round, I'll do the same thing again. We need that Joshua to come into the, the ring again fighting Usyk. And I think that Joshua will perform better against Usyk whether you're training for that particular style now or not. That's a good point, and it's a really fun fight, and it's a really lucrative domestic fight. Um, mm. I, I mean, like, I, whatever Joshua Dusick did back in the day, Joyce is tough to knock out, man. Not oh, today's my God. Game. Like, that, that guy, you, you better be in shape when you take on Joe Joyce, and you better be ready to have yes. sore hands when you take on he Joe Joyce. He has a head of steel. Just, it's a brick that's yeah. up there. And he throws I think, bombs, I think too. some of... Yeah, I think some of his offense is his, his his face because he can take any shot. You know, he can take any shot and give it back. But but then again, it's Josh. Yeah, but as long as you know, you, as long as it's protect, as long as that rematch clause is protected, where where Usyk cannot fight anybody else before fighting Joshua, then yeah. I would take that chance to fight somebody else. But if it, if it sails away, that's going to be a problem. He needs to get a shot at getting all those straps back. Yeah, no question about that. All right. As uh, people that have listened to this podcast know, I am talking to the president and vice president of the Gervonta Davis fan club here. Yeah, I'm not sure which one is which, Ak or Barack. Gervonta okay. uh, okay. <laughs> Davis is back on May 28th. He's going to take on Raleigh Romero. That's a rescheduled uh, fight that was scrapped after Romero was ac accused of uh, sexual assault uh, late last year. Um we can talk about Romero and, and what kind of fight that is. But my question for you guys, as it always is, is this the year that we see now 27-year-old Gervonta Davis in a significant fight? And by significant fight, I mean Ryan Garcia. I mean Devin Haney. I mean Vasily Lomachenko. If he wants to go up, George Cambos as well. Don't discount him uh, because he has all the belts at 135. If Gervonta wants to go up to 140, any of those big dogs at 140 pounds. Do you guys have confidence? And can you say with confidence that this is the year that that happens? I would, I would say yes. First off, we have to understand that a lot of guys are busy right now. We all know Ryan Garcia is fighting on the ninth. We all know we have Devin Haney trying to secure the Cambosis fight. Lomachenko is in the mix as well. So it's not like he has a tons of options right now. And I think the Romero fight is a good stay busy fight, even though Romero, uh, you know, Roley doesn't have a shot in the world to beat Tech Davis. I don't care. How. It's different. I'll get. I'll, I'll give it to you. It's different. I feel differently about this fight now than I did last year. Last year, at the time they booked the fight, 
everybody was available. Ryan was available. Teofimo kind of available because of all the things going on with that Cambos fight. Haney was available, tweeting about it. Now, those guys are not available, at least on this timetable. Uh, yeah, so so it, it makes sense. You're you're okay with that fight. And obviously that fight, you know, a lot of social media action going on. I think it's a fight that people are going to watch. And I think it's he should knock Roley out within a, within six rounds. It's my opinion, which people like to see that. Regardless of who you're fighting, if you're a draw, we know he's a draw, a knockout victory, I think it's going to serve him well. But I do to, to answer your question, I do think that at 135 pounds. Javante will fight a big name this year. He's already said he wants to, you know, he'll fight Cambosis or any of those guys. I know, I know he, it's just talk, but I think sometime in the fourth quarter, we're going to see a huge Javante Davis fight against one of the names you're comfortable with. I'm predicting it now. Well, yeah, I don't, hmm. To answer your question, Chris, no, I'm not <laughs> confident because there's no evidence. There's no evidence that leads us to. I'm just guessing. Ox prediction, <laughs> prediction just came out of nowhere. Like that's just a prediction. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's that's a psychic prediction. But there's no evidence that leads to that. When your promoter says, "Hey, we're gonna um, look for fights that are in house," then where do you go from there? And it's funny because when he said that, Roley was not somebody that anybody wanted to see fight um Javante Davis it took time of Roley to talk his way into us accepting that because now it's that Jake Paul syndrome we want to see somebody fight him we want to see somebody hurt him because he's talking a lot you know what I mean so it's like we never expected that to happen and now it's happening so there's no evidence to say otherwise do we want to see that yes even guys like me who have him on a pound for pound list because of what he can do and what I see I'm going to get tired and say, all right, now this is it. You're, you're going to have to slowly slide down off that list if you're not fighting somebody worthy of a challenge by somebody with your greatness. I echo that, yeah, and, <laughs> yeah, so this year, because of some of the things that have happened the last few months, the in-house potential challenges for Gervonta have dwindled, right? Like if Chris Colbert, had fought Roger Gutierrez and beaten Gutierrez, I would have 100% pegged Chris Colbert as mm. someone that would have been a candidate to face Javante Davis at 135 Good pounds. Good point. If Gary yeah. Russell Jr. had beaten Mark Megsayo, and if Russell had not been injured, and if he had uh, been serious for the first time like ever in fighting more than once per year, that would have been a marketable fight for uh, Javante Davis. But in-house... In the PBC universe, as I look around, there's nothing there. Like, not almost nothing. There's, like, really nothing that's marketable. Yeah. You know, you're not going to do an Esau Cruz rematch. Like, you're not going to do um, any of no, the— No, but you know what? I was thinking about that. Today, I was like, why not do an Esau Cruz rematch? It wasn't that great that's a fight. Some... Like, it, it was a controversial ending, but it wasn't a great fight. Like, you know. But if you think that you're somebody that could have stopped them, if you didn't hurt your hand in the 10th round— Maybe that's something you might want to see. Yeah, I, I would say this, though. Like, I, I don't know how many, what the official number of pay-per-view buys was. I don't believe what I read on the internet. Just like I don't believe mm. what people say from a promoter's perspective. But it did not do well. There's no question about that. Oh. Otherwise, there would have been victory laps being taken <laughs> about the numbers Gervonta Davis did. So, like, given that, I, I don't see this groundswell of support to see that rematch. The, the only name, guys, the only name that makes any sense is Ryan Garcia. And we know they've had mm. at least preliminary discussions about a deal like this before. Uh, I know DAZN believes that their entry into pay-per-view gives them the kind of framework to do a co-promotional pay-per-view with Showtime or, P or Fox, whoever it is that Gervonta works with uh, at that given time. So I feel like Ryan's side, if he gets through Emmanuel Tego on April 9th and Golden Boy and DAZN are going to try to make that deal. I just don't know if I believe that Gervonta's side is going to be willing to do it to seed the kind of money they'd have to seed uh, from a Showtime perspective and money that Ryan Garcia is going to have to be paid. I just don't know that they're, they're going to be willing to do it. So I'm with Barack on this one. I don't have any confidence that this is the year that we get, you know, Gervonta in that signature fight. Well, that's when I'll give up on this uh, Devontae Davis train. I'll hop off of it. If in 2022 it doesn't happen with a big name, then uh, I'll wave the white flag. <laughs> oh, wait, just just to be clarified, Barack, where is Gervonta on your pound for pound list? 
Oh man, I haven't looked at it. I haven't revamped it since these late losses and, and wins recently, but um, he's around 10 or number nine. Okay. Yeah. That's absurd, but we'll, you know. He's at, num- we'll, he's at my number 10. Oh, please. <laughs> he's you at nine or 10. What are you guys talking about? Nine or you, 10? You probably have Tyson Fury on yours. You I do have, have Tyson, Tyson Fury on, on my list. Beat, Tyson and Fury. And Deontay Wilder. That's uh, and one it, person. Before that, Vladimir Klitschko. That's and 100 Vladimir years Klitschko. ago. That's 100 seven years ago. ago. Come on. You, so, seven years so ago. So what? Chris. You two sit there and bring up Jose Pedraza from seven years ago as a quality win you, for Javante. And you say that's a you say that's a good win. You said that's a good win. Okay. I'm saying. It's I'm a saying, good win no, like Klitschko I'm, is. All right. So, so if you can use Klitschko. I also Klitschko, by the way, Klitschko, Klitschko better than Pedraza. Better than Vladimir Klitschko better than Pedraza. Because you discredit. Because you discredit Leo Santa Cruz, that doesn't mean he isn't who he is. He is a, a four-division champ, so it doesn't matter. Like, oh, let's just say technically three-division champ. He is who he is no matter what. Beat Carl Frampton, beat a lot of guys. So oh, oh, let, let's, because you let's discredit not doesn't mean he's not win. a good win. A beautiful let's not undermine wait, him wait, going way out of league. Pounds, I don't discredit Leo. Pounds. And beat in Barrios, Mario Barrios. Regardless oh, of who you think Mario he is, Barrios. keep stop with Mario Barrios. Last seen getting his nose twisted in half by Keith Thurman. Like, come on, like let him not give him. But he couldn't get him out of it by a welterweight. This guy. All right, but Mario Barrios also. Like Mario Barrios also. Mario Barrios also lost the fight before that to uh, Beck. What's his name? I, I'm blanking the. Uh, no, no, we got you on that, yeah. and you're right. But guess what? He wasn't stopped by anybody except Davis. Davis is special, and we can see that. I can't see that. I'm <laughs> you can see okay. that. Would anybody else, would any other, would any other 135 pounder move up and beat Barrio? Yes, all Who? of them. Who? Every Who? one of them. Stop, Stop it. Come on. You think Stop. Devin right, Haney right. doesn't beat Mario Barrios? All right, who are you picking up? They're not. They're not going to go up and fight him. That's too much of a risk. Oh, De- no, no. Devin, the only reason you guys know this, you're, you're around Devin a lot. The only reason Devin stays at 135 is to figure out a way to get his hand on that big fight. Uh, in that division because he kills himself every time to make that weight. In the next six to that's eight true. months, he is gone. from. If he fights Cambosis, and he'll probably fight him twice, but once that's over with, he is gone to 140. There's no doubt about that. For like sure. He's in Teofimo territory and trying to shrink himself down. Yeah, but see, he's bigger than Javante Davis. Javante Davis is a very small guy. He's a 130-pound guy. And he right, went so up make to the right weight. He's not, that's he's he's not make really a 135-pound not really a 135 pound hey, Chris, fighter. who wins the fight? Know? If he, if they do make 130. The, if they do make the Grind Garcia fight, uh, uh, you know, Javante Davis and they figure out a way how to co-promote this pay-per-view, who wins that fight? Great fight. Great fight. Both these guys, I think I, I think you know, I don't You're I don't, stolen. You're stolen I don't know right because I don't know. Like I lean so I lean towards Ryan only because Ryan I think is has proven. Like we talked about Javante struggling to fight a smaller fighter than Isak Cruz, there might be nobody better at fighting smaller fighters than Ryan Garcia. Like, Ryan has kind of mastered how to hit these guys because he's always taller than them. And that left hook from hell that he throws with the kind of speed that we don't see from anyone outside of Canelo, I think eventually he'd land that on Gervonta in the same way that he landed a big shot on Luke Campbell. So I'm not discounting Gervonta. I think he's... He can definitely win that fight because Ryan, I think, can be a little bit chinny too. Not great with the footwork. Um, a lot of reasons, but uh, it's it's a great fight. No, it's it's no a question. hell of a fight. And yes, I think that Ryan does have a good shot because of Javante's southpaw stance to land that check left hook. And I think it's he's a dangerous fighter. You know, Ryan has speed and power. So does Javante. That's what makes this a, a, an explosive fight and one of the biggest fights in all of boxing. Regardless who has titles, we both know that. Yeah, but I, I just disagree. I, I just don't think that Javante Davis struggled with Isak Cruz. I think he beat him handily. He yes, did not he, beat him he handily. Hurt, he, he hurt his hand in the 10th okay. round, and yes, he lost 10th and 11th round, but 12th round, he outboxed him with one yeah. hand, did not throw that yeah, left hand Isak Cruz is a lot, is very smaller than Javante. So it's uh, two different fights. Hey, like, well, also the hand injury. I, I haven't heard of any surgery. I haven't heard of any like. You know, you don't. You don't have to break your hand. You don't have to need surgery to okay, hurt but, your but hand. Okay, but but Barack, fight. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. But lots of guys hurt their hands in the middle of fights. Like that's. I mean, I'm. Yeah, but when it's that bad and you don't throw it, he did not throw it in the 11th and 12th round. A lot of reasons. Yeah, but a lot of that's because he saw Cruz in his chest the entire time. Like, and you know, made it uncomfortable for him. That was a close fight. Like, whether you thought he won or not, was. that was a close fight. So. Oh, wait, wait, wait. People really thought that Isaac Cruz beat Javante Davis that night? I had it as a draw. 
Well, we all know your score I mean, twist. Nah, nah, I mean, nah, nah, no, 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 no. So also, the, so I was watching that fight in Vegas because we did, uh, I think, the Devin Haney fight before that, right? Like the day before. And yeah. I was in Vegas with yeah. Sergio, and I had him score. I wasn't even scoring. I was having him score it, and he added a draw as well. So well, we that's were, after like five tequila shots, I bet. So Sergio, can, know, Sergio still, can't do it, tequila. He's the only Mexican <laughs> I know that can't do tequila. It's like a, it was only close because of the hurt hand. It was only close because maybe, of the hurt hand. Maybe. And, and, and listen, I think Isaac Cruz will give anybody trouble, and maybe he's just somebody that can't get knocked out. Look, Barrios is giving him trouble before he got knocked out. You had Floyd running up to the ring going, like, you might be down. Like, they're saying on the broadcast, you're down. So, he's had trouble with a few guys, you know, before he's, you know, summoned that, you know, one-stop power, one-hit, one-punch power right there. So, Well, well, you're giving Ryan credit, and I give Ryan credit, too. But he got dropped with Luke Campbell. He, did. he came back and dropped him. So, let's give him the same – let's give Javante Davis the same credit we give Ryan Garcia I, for getting hurt or getting outboxed, maybe, and then went in by knockout. Yeah, I would, all, I would say, though, I think the Luke – Campbell win is better than anything Javante's got in his resume. I think Luke Campbell better than the Pedraza fight. Yes, Pedraza was undefeated. And he was a he world was champion. I can't, but I can't, world guys. Champion. I can't. Like I'm all about undefeated. It's fine, undefeated, whatever. But like Luke Campbell, like his losses came at like the highest of levels. Like you go in with Lomachenko and you battle for you know the entirety of that fight. You go in with Linares and you get knocked down, but you battle back and almost beat a prime Linares at that time. I, I can't get, I never I, get too worked up one way or the other, but undefeated. I, I'll tell you what, I'll give Javante the okay. edge against Luke Campbell as well. I'll see, I see a knockout victory as well. In maybe, that fight. maybe. <laughs> but like, can, do you think Javante could summon that type of body shot power? Like that's, Luke Campbell to get knocked down with a headshot. He got knocked down with a body shot. That look, was just I, savage. Look, yeah, that, that's not his style. That's not his not, style. You're right. I, I think I both guys can knock each other out. That's it. That's why you know, it's this, a big this, like, this, I'm already loving this. Like the middle, like the only part of this podcast is going to get aggregated. <laughs> It is this part right here because people accuse me of being a Javante hater and it always winds up uh, on social media. But I love doing this with you guys because it always winds up in a, a shouting match of some kind. All right, let's keep it in that PBC universe, sort of. Uh, Jermel Charlo, the unified 154-pound champion, he went on a, on a podcast with my friend Brian Custer and he just went after Terrence Crawford. I know that Crawford, or, uh, uh, Charlo and Errol Spence are stable mates with Derek James, but uh, Charlo went out there and basically said, Crawford, Shut your mouth, take a little bit less money, take on Errol Spence. I mean, Charlo doesn't do a ton of interviews, Barack, but I, I was kind of surprised at how aggressive he was coming after uh, Terrence Crawford. So I'll put it to you this way. What did you make of those comments? And is Charlo versus Crawford suddenly a pretty appealing fight? Uh, first of all, I wasn't surprised at all because Jamel Charlo does everything aggressive. <laughs> yeah. but, you know, I, I've never seen him not aggressive. You know what I mean? Um, so that was something I, I figured would happen. That was something I figured he'd say. And plus, like you said, he's the stable mate of Errol Spence with Derek James. So that's a friend defending his friend, even if it wasn't true in his mind that he thinks Errol can beat Bud. But I don't, I don't necessarily like this fight. Now, on one hand, yes, it's beautiful. You got the guy who's at 147. He's frustrated. He's one of the best fighters in the world, Terrence Crawford. Moving up shows greatness. Beautiful. And it's Jamel's Charlo chance to fight somebody who's great, an all-time great like Terrence Crawford. But is a built-in excuse. And that's what I don't like with fights. There's a built-in excuse. And not by the fighters. I'm talking about by the fans. If uh, Bud was to lose, I don't like that because you're fighting a bigger guy. I want to see the fight that everybody wants to see, and there's no reason we shouldn't see it. And that's Bud and Spence. So I don't want to entertain Yeah, and that. as far as the whole, uh, you know, take less money and some of the things that Jamel said, that's just talk. I mean, Bud has earned the right to to get what he feels he needs for that fight. We He obviously detached himself from Bob Arum in top rank, so hopefully that makes this process easier. But Barack, Doesn't it, sound like it, Ock. Doesn't it, sound like no, it's no, making no, it easier no, at all. No, no, no. You're, you're right. But, I mean, there's still time. We're early in the year. It's only March, right? But... As far as, you know, that built-in excuse, Barack, you know, uh, touching on what you were saying, it doesn't mean, like, that people wouldn't want to be watch that fight or that, that Bud doesn't have a shot to win it. You can't base your decision on that. If that fight can be made, I think it's a dangerous fight for Bud. I think his skill level will kind of even it up because he's so great in the ring at making adjustments. But if he doesn't get the arrow fight, I mean, I don't see... I don't know why you just started yelling. No, like because that. I started feeling I started feeling the frustration of all the fight fans in the world. Like, why the hell is this fight summoned that not frustration happening? Why? Look, yo, Errol oh, doesn't man. have an easy task in front of him, in front of him in Ugas. People think that, oh, this is gonna be a breeze. Yeah. 
I've had a lot of conversations and some people feel that Ugas is going to win this fight. He's going to surprise people. I don't agree with that. I think Arrow is just great and I think he will get past Ugas. But I think after this fight, honestly, Thurman obviously doesn't have a strap. I mean, the only other guy is Bud Crawford. I think that Arrow is going to have some pressure on him if he gets past Ugas. Some serious pressure. He's going to have to, some, have to answer some questions and so is Al him. Whoever the hell is in charge if he doesn't fight Terrence Crawford. I think that after this win, we're going to see the truth. Let, let me tell you my, yeah. my, my theory on Spence Crawford. I have given up all hope of seeing <laughs> that fight at 147 pounds. I don't believe that fight's going to happen at welterweight because if Spence gets by Ugas, and I agree with you guys, that's a really tough fight. Ugas is a very tough fighter. But if Spence gets by Ugas... He's going to have some mandatory issues. Like, he's going to have to face some guys that he doesn't necessarily want to face in less lucrative fights to keep his belts. Um, the Crawford versus Jermel Charlo fight feels to me like it's more makeable at this point than Crawford against Errol Spence. Jermel Charlo is going to take on Brian Castaño in a fantastic fight um, for the undisputed title at 154. And he's going to do it on a regular Showtime. Now, I don't know what the purses are for that fight, but if Showtime can afford it, that tells me that Charlo's contractual demands are not going to be otherworldly. Like, that he's going to be in a financial ballpark that might make a pay-per-view with Crawford more manageable to make. Crawford has made noises about going to 154 before. We both know that if Patrick Teixeira had beaten Castaño, we likely would have seen Crawford against Teixeira, uh, what was it, a year plus ago? Time is a flat circle. I have no yeah. idea what, what, what is going on with that. But we mm -hmm. would have seen that fight uh, already. So my theory is that Charlo beats Castaño. He's probably going to have to drop at least one of those belts, maybe two. But before the end of the year, we get Charlo versus Crawford for two versions of the 154-pound title. And then... Spence, who's a big guy anyway, will move up and wait. And if Crawford beats Charlo, that's when we see Crawford versus Spence. That's not a bad scenario there. I mean, Errol's a huge guy. I, I mean, I know eventually he's going to be at 154. And I think it doesn't matter uh, that it would be at 154. I don't think it takes any, anything away from the fight. I, I, think, I don't think people care about the weight class that happens. <laughs> no, as long as it happens. Nobody cares about, nobody cares about junior middleweight versus... <laughs> no. Well, oh, as long God. as as yeah, long as, exactly. as that fight happens, but I so I I, I once I started to hear Charlo uh, start to talk a little bit, that's when I uh, kind of bought in on uh, all that. Um, one thing I wanted to get to with you guys, the uh, so when Amir Khan got smashed by Kell Brook, we all thought that was the end of Amir Khan's career. Like Khan, nice career, early was really good, latter part not so much, but he finally got that big domestic fight. Why would he ever want to do? a fight against Kell Brook again. Um, seems like, according to some reporting, that Khan is looking to exercise his rematch clause against Kell Brook. Uh, Barack, are you buying Amir Khan? <laughs> oh, oh, I woke up. up. Oh, right, wake up, wake I'm up, oh, wake up. God. <laughs> right, well, first of all, I, I thought I saw the end of Amir Khan's career years ago, uh, even before he fought Billy Bibb. Um, and even if... Amir Khan would have won, I would have still not expected him to go on. You know, I just wouldn't have expected him to go on. Now, to, to even think that we should expect the fans to pay again to see this after that one-sided, I, I don't care if you say you're jet lag, your foot hurt, I, I don't care what excuse, there is no excuse for us to see that again. I think that would just be another easy payday for, for um, Brooke, and it's just not worth it. I, I don't know. It can't be on pay-per-view. Yeah. I mean, I blame, I blame, you know, they're gonna do that I blame Khan's uh, circle, inner circle, and not telling him no, no, no. Well, then again, everybody stands to gain something. There's another payday. Everybody gets a check at the end of the fight. So maybe that's what it is. I mean, Amir doesn't need the money. Um, there's no way in hell this fight should ever happen. This should be the end of the road, and everybody around Amir Khan should just scream at him and say, no, it's over. Hang him up. That's it. I don't want to. I think they probably are. You know, I think beforehand, Bo Mack and Bud and all of these guys doing interviews, they really saw something in Amir Khan. And you know why? Because Amir Khan is super talented. 
fast. He's agile. You know, he he punches hard. He's a great talent. It's just you're training with headgear on. Yeah. You know, you're training with protection on. You're training with 16-ounce gloves. And then when you put on the 10s, you take off the headgear, you get hurt with a jab. Yeah, and I don't, you, I don't you, know you what. Train I don't know that. what Kell Brook rehydrated to, but you could see in the ring he was the bigger guy. And like an in-shape Kell Brook, which he was, and a motivated Kell Brook is just better than Amir Khan at this point. I mean, Kell Brook's been the guy chasing Amir Khan for more than a decade now. Like, I think it was 2005 when Kell Brook started talking about Amir Khan. He wanted that fight, whereas Amir Khan <laughs> wanted the money that came from that fight. But I don't think he wanted that fight on the same level that Kell Brook did. So I, I hope somebody talks some sense into him. I saw Amir posting with, like, a new Lamborghini, so it's not like he needs some money necessarily. <laughs> exactly. Like, so... You know, take that right. and, and, and go back home. Uh, real quick, you guys. I, I mean, saw... if, we, if we look at their, their careers, though, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Off, but we look at their careers, think back. You know, if you look at Brooks lost the Triple G, he was doing all right in that fight. Errol Spence, he was doing all right yeah. in that fight. He was supposed to lose the Triple G. You know, um, he beat Sean Porter in his prime. Back then, if you look at the two, who had less holes? Brook. Yeah. So Brook was probably always the more solid fighter and should have been given the edge anyway. Sure. Especially when i mean those years that khan spent chasing mayweather and pacquiao just lost years for him yeah. he should have been fighting lost like, fight with brooke rematch maybe a trilogy T timothy bradley yeah, back just, then just chasing Absolutely. these guys around like, i mean i still i still think amir had a better shot back then when he was oh yeah you know, a little whole even as good as brooke was his speed was blinding so i think he would have a better shot back then well, i mean i've always believed not, not to say that khan would have beaten mayweather but one of the reasons mayweather didn't want to fight him was that hand speed is tricky like you know mayweather didn't fight a ton of guys with that kind of hand speed um throughout zab his judah. career zab judah had it no question and, and um, he was very effective with floyd against that fight early in yeah the fight, yeah and like you know, a like, couple of rounds yeah he had three rounds four. he won yeah i say four. Like no, the, one two and four he lost third round uh, come on you know i study floyd. yeah, yeah I no look everything. floyd beats floyd beats virtually everybody at that point but i think like you know the the brawlers are more kind of his style like whether it was robert guerrero mm. or marcos maidana a couple of times like mm. he has ways to, to beat them handily uh whereas these hand speed guys are tricky they can rack up some points uh pretty quickly uh before let you guys go i was just uh looking through my alerts here i see eddie hearn says that anthony joshua if he does do an interim fight which you talked about at the top of the show prefers Deontay Wilder to be oh, his that. interim fight. Are we ready? Is it finally time for AJ against Wilder, the long-awaited heavyweight showdown? Why not? Why not? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You, you heard, you heard, we heard Hearn say that. We didn't hear Joshua say that. I mean, he, you but know you know saying? this, Brock. Eddie, also, Eddie does not, even know if, Eddie will not yeah. say something about Anthony Joshua that Joshua didn't say. Absolutely Very not. careful about what he says about AJ. I agree. Oh, you guys! I agree. You guys I think if Eddie said you guys it, no. If Eddie said you guys it, if Eddie said it, Joshua must have had a conversation with him. That's how I feel. I agree I with Chris. Know. I don't on know this about one. that. But regardless of the fact, nobody even knows what what um, Deontay Wilder is going to do. Yeah, you know. So he's gonna go smoke, nah, smoke some just... whatever, and you know whatever he's going to do to get to get <laughs> oh, his mind right. I don't know what that is. I don't know anything about it. But like, it's you know whatever. <laughs> Process that's a, that's is a go hallucinogenic type thing. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> well, whatever he's gonna do to get. Ock knows. Ock, Ock is. That's how he made his prediction <laughs> earlier. <laughs> Let me tell you this though. Like, I, I first of all, I love it. Like, sign me up for Joshua Wilder any day of the week. Bombs away with both those yes. two guys, even if they're diminished at this point. Mm -hmm. That's the perfect mm -hmm. fight to me for Joshua to come back to the U.S. Because yes. Wilder Joshua would be big in the U.K. It always is. But Wilder versus Joshua in Vegas or New York would be massive. And until AJ erases the stench of his debut in the U.S. at the Garden when he got knocked out by Andy Ruiz, that's going to kind of linger with him because all the top fighters, especially heavyweights, have made their way to the U.S. Most of them have had success in the U.S. So you do Joshua versus Wilder at one of those venues. Go to Southern California, even SoFi Stadium. That's becoming, I think, is going to become a hotspot for boxing in the years to come. That is a major and lucrative event. Absolutely. Biggest fight Absolutely. in heavyweight. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Biggest fight in every division right now. No question about it. All right, fellas, always good to catch up with you. You can catch Akin Barak every weekday over at the at DAZN, the DAZN Boxing Show, a terrific watch uh, every single day. Next time, I'm sure we'll have we'll do it after the Davis-Romero fight, guys, when I want to just stretch my arms and yell a little bit more. Next that. time, we're going to bring Javante on and surprise you. <laughs> oh, God. No, I don't think they're going to let that happen. Uh, thanks, yo. Likewise, as always. When we come back, my conversation with Tyson Fury. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Now, I'm supposed to talk here about 
what I remember and what I loved about my first car. And that's easy for me to do because I still have my first car. And as long as it keeps running, and so far so good, I intend to have that car probably until the day I die. Uh, That's how much I love that car. It is like a child to me. Now, it does require some upkeep, and that's why I'm grateful for a place like eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED lights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices... You're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Fight fans, throw your best haymaker with a risk-free first bet from FanDuel Sportsbook. Even if your fighter gets knocked out or tapped out, new customers get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up with the promo code BOXING and you'll be able to bet on all the biggest boxing matches and UFC fights. FanDuel offers all your favorite bets. Choose from the money line to the method of victory to which round the fight will end and so much more. You can even parlay different fight bets together. The bigger your parlay, the bigger your potential payout becomes. FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. The app is so easy to use, and when you win, you'll get paid in as little as two hours. To place your first bet risk-free, that's right, risk-free, sign up with the promo code BOXING and make every fight night mean more with the FanDuel Sportsbook app. No Dillian White press conference. I'm sure you've been asked a lot about that, but do you have an issue with it? Um, Do you have a problem with it? How do you feel about it? You know, no Mr. White, but we have Mr. Fury, the capital of sports entertainment himself, the Gypsy King. Is he alive and exclusive in the building in Wembley, ready to put on a show? We don't need an opponent. Any opponent will do. It's not about the opponent. It's the Tyson Fury Roadshow. And it continues to London, United Kingdom. Do you think, Tyson, his absence is about money or about trying to get inside your head a little bit? I have no clue or no concern. It doesn't really matter to me. The outcome is going to be the same. I'm going to shit up. You, um, you and Dillian have been kind of on the British boxing scene for a long time. Are you surprised it's kind of taken this long for you two to face each other? <laughs> no, he's been on the um, climb of the boxing ranks for a long time. I've been a uh, world champion for a long time. So I'm sure I've been someone he's been wanting to fight for a long time. And he's finally getting his opportunity. You know, we've all been running scared from Dylan White over the years, me and Wilder and everybody else in the division. You know, the body snatcher. Um, yeah, we've all been running scared. And, you know, he's finally backed me into a corner with all his mind games. And now I have to fight. Put up or shut up. <laughs> you know, you're getting it back in the ring uh, in a month or so. But take me back first to after you beat Deontay Wilder. Three time fights against the biggest puncher in heavyweight boxing. In the weeks after that, was there any part of you that kind of thought, like, maybe that's enough? Maybe I've accomplished enough in boxing and I'm done with it? Yeah, plenty of times I thought of that. I think about that now. Maybe I've had enough. Maybe I've done enough in boxing. 
you know, maybe one more fight. I still got one more fight left in me. <laughs> I'm not 34 yet, so 34 this year. Um, we're at the capital of um, British boxing in this country, Wembley Stadium, against the mandatory opposition of the WBC challenger, number one ranked contender. Um, another defense of me belt, live in America, live in the UK. You know, does it get much bigger than that? 103,000 at Wembley, I'm told. 103,000. That takes us back to the days of um, Jack Dempsey and Gene Tunney, those type of gates. And very rare in today's boxing. So privileged that I'm a part of something so big. Um, and do I continue? Who knows? Have I done enough? Hell yeah, I've done enough. Do I continue have another fight against Francis Ngannou? Maybe. You know, we've got one fight at a time. Beat Dylan White, and then who knows what's happening there. I may hit up my brother, The Rock, and uh, star in a Hollywood movie. Or I might do a Netflix um, TV documentary. Um, I might be might become a singer. Who knows? Las Vegas, baby, you know. I might become a, a performing Las Vegas show. Who knows? The opportunities are endless. But um, I concentrate on the now. And the now is I have a world title defence in my home country um, at the biggest stadium in the United Kingdom, which I'm looking forward to. It's been a long time. You ever heard of a band called Thin Lizzy? I have. I love that band. And they sing. The boys boy, are back. Boys are back in town. So yeah, the boys are back in town. Four years away. Um, just a small old shows like MGM, Las Vegas Grand Arena, <laughs> Staples <laughs> Center, T-Mobile Arena. Just small venues. Ah, MGM Grand. So now I'm back at uh, back at the UK, um, big stadium, and I've been on the road a while, and I'm really happy to be home and putting on a show. Got to put on a big show. It's going to be a good fight as long as it lasts. And Dylan White's a good puncher. He's knocked out plenty of opponents. Um, he's game, he's tough, he's big, he's strong, he's rugged. And he'll come for a fight. And when he comes for a fight, I'll meet him head on the ring and we'll let our heavy artillery go. And whoever, whoever lands better and crisper and cleaner will win the fight by knockout. I don't see the fight going um, long distance. I don't see it. I think there's too many people there, too big of an occasion. I think we're going to get stuck right in. If you were going to star in a movie with The Rock, what kind of movie would it be? Good question. Could be a boxing movie. It could be an action movie. Probably an action movie for sure. Mm -hmm. Or maybe Any even like a uh, comedy. So a, every, a little bit of a little bit of everything. Family comedy, I think. That'd be the best. <laughs> He's done a few of them. Um, oh, we could do another remake of Twins. <laughs> so Schwarzenegger and uh, Danny yeah, DeVito. He, would he would he have to be Danny DeVito? Would he have to be Danny DeVito's character? Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. <laughs> You're the only one that could make The Rock look like Danny DeVito in that that case. <laughs> <laughs> you seem very interested. You mentioned Francis Ngannou, uh, the UFC champion. You seem very interested in making that fight happen at some point in your career. Why is that? It's a big fight, big crossover fight between MMA and boxing. Um, he's a champion, I'm a champion. Um, I think it's an epic battle. I think a lot of people will be interested and want to watch that fight. That, the fight would be in, in Las Vegas at the Raiders Stadium. Um, that'd be an amazing event to end, end a career. It'd be absolutely fantastic. Be the icing on the cake of a, of a very successful, uh, long boxing career. How, how do you make a fight like that really compelling though Tyson because every time a MMA fighter gets in the ring with a boxer they get worked over pretty good for the most part 90 something percent of the time how do you make that fight compelling to fans the compelling thing is Francis Ngannou is the is the biggest punch in um, athlete on the planet and if he hits you he'll knock you out cold as we've seen he's the guy's what six foot five and 260 70 pounds He's a monster of a guy, and if he lands one punch clean, it's over. But I say we do it with a twist, Las Vegas style. We do it in four-ounce gloves, in a cage. I mean, that oh, that would be dangerous for you. That would make it more dangerous for you. And it'd be dangerous for him. Because yeah. I knock people out in 10-ounce gloves. Mm -hmm. So imagine if I hit him with four-ounce gloves on. Mm-hmm. That would certainly level the playing field a little bit. No doubt about that. Um, Frank Warren, your promoter, going back to this fight against Dillian White, he says he wants no British judges for this fight. Of course, this is a reaction to what happened 
between Josh Taylor and Jack Catterall. What's your your feeling on the judging right now, fixing judging, and what kind of judges you need for your fight? You know, um, I second what Frank Warren said. We don't want no British um, judges on this fight. Um, as for the fight in the weekend, it's not for me to say uh, who won or what I think. I know both guys that did they did well. They did what the best they could. But let's just say we don't want any British fight uh, judges. Um, we want neutral guys and experienced guys who are going to be fair because we don't want no um, gift decisions. I don't want a gift decision. And I know Dylan White don't want no gift decisions. So whoever wins this fight will win it fair and square. We don't want controversy. We just want clean cut in and out. Whether he knocks me out or I knock him out, I want it to be a fair fight, and a fair fight is what it will be. We don't. We have to train hard as fighters. We dedicate and sacrifice our whole lives, and we put it all on the line every time we enter the ring. We could come out of that ring with brain damage or anything, maybe not even come out of the ring. So to fight all your life and then for a, some idiot to make a decision that's wrong or right, in his opinion, who ain't in there fighting, to end it all for you and spoil your career and your life, it's just not fair. So something needs to be done about the judging. Um, of these fights and so I don't know maybe come up with a different uh, way of doing it all I'm not sure on how to do it and that's not my job but um, yeah we want we want um, WBC approved experienced judges who know what they're looking at and who, who ain't looking to rub someone's eyeballs out I mean I agree with you um, American judges though Tyson are just as bad sometimes as British judges. Like, I mean, they suck sometimes just as bad. I mean, is there, like, are you looking for a specific nationality or just kind of like what the WBC says? I just want experienced judges who's, who's done big world title fights. I don't want someone who's never done a world title fight before on a high level. I want experienced proper judges for the fight. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I mean, uh, people who's done many world title fights before so that nothing goes on, skullduggery and all that. I'm not looking for gift decisions or favours from anybody. Let me do the fighting and them do their job. But also, all we want as boxers, and I, I speak on behalf of every boxer that puts a pair of gloves on, is the right decision. Whether you lose or you win, just be fair. And that's all we're looking for. Because at the end of the day, if you put your life and soul into something and then some guy took it away from you, um, you wouldn't be very happy. And it's disheartening for kids coming through as well. Yeah, no question. It can change lives. Of it ain't just when... the um, Josh Taylor, Catrell fight. It's been so many over the years. It's been ridiculous. Uh, I remember, I mean, I wrote about Mauricio Herrera, one of the great robbery examples. Like he, when he lost to Danny Garcia and he lost a couple other fights that he should have won, that's millions of dollars and life-changing titles that, that yeah, these guys cool. lose out on. Sometimes the, the judges are a bit beneficial to the home fighter, to the one they think sold the tickets, to the one they think the show sold by. But it shouldn't be like that. This is boxing. It's, it's people's risking their lives. No matter if you're a journeyman and you come to the UK and you've sold no tickets and you've got a, guy, a young guy there who sold a 1,000 tickets and he's popular, if he gets beat, he gets beat. And this is a lot of the reasons why. that When, when, when we go over to America or to a foreign country to fight, and we've only ever had bums and gift decisions. When we fight real fighters, they get exposed and knocked back out in a few rounds. And it's mainly to do with the, the, the robbery decisions they've had over the years and the soft touches, easy opponents. But now I do believe it has changed a lot in England. People are fighting stiffer opposition. And when they, when they fight for the world title, they're more ready for it rather than just knocking out a load of, as the, the Americans would say, tomato cans on the way. Mm. Yeah, no question. Uh, before I let you go, yeah, you're, you've been linked to Alexander Usyk in the future. You fought Vladimir Klitschko in the past. You see them now over in the Ukraine uh, wearing uniforms, carrying weapons, um, you know, putting like literally in the sense, putting their, maybe putting their lives on the line in the coming weeks and months to come. What, what do you think of that? What I've got to say about that is if a war happens in the United Kingdom or the United States, I'll be the first man to join up. It's something to see. I mean, it's to see when you see those pictures. I mean, is it does it resonate with you? Like I said, they're defending their, the country. They're defending what they believe in, and that's that's that, that's for them to uh, decide. You know, it's not really something that I have an opinion on politics and war and all that because no matter what you say, you're upsetting somebody. 
<laughs> so they're, they're all fans, whether they're Russian, Ukrainians, or whatever they are, they're probably some of them might be fans of mine. So, you know, it's, it's nothing to do with me. And if it comes to Britain or America, like I say, I'll be joining arms and we will be lighting motherfuckers up. So don't worry about that. You got it, Tyson. Always appreciate your time, Tyson. Good luck in April. Dillian White, uh, even though he's not going to be there today, uh, I'm sure you'll get your hands on him at one point. Boosh, the WBC king. Check it out. Adios, amigos. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Now, I'm supposed to talk here about what I remember and what I loved about my first car. And that's easy for me to do because I still have my first car. And as long as it keeps running, and so far so good, I intend to have that car probably until the day I die. Uh, That's how much I love that car. It is like a child to me. Now, it does require some upkeep, and that's why I'm grateful for a place like eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED lights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. All right, time now for this week's picks brought to you by FanDuel. Tough week last week. I went out on a limb and picked the underdog in the Jose Ramirez-Jose Pedraza fight. I had Pedraza winning by decision. Didn't come to that. It was Ramirez all the way in that fight. But I am confident that I am going to bounce back this week. And I'm focused this week on the featherweight title fight over in the UK between Michael Conlon and Lee Wood. Now, Michael Conlon is the more recognizable name. He is the multi-time Olympian, the guy signed by top rank coming out of the 2016 Olympics. He has an undefeated record. But I like Lee Wood to win this fight. I have not been impressed with what I've seen by Michael Conlon. He's got some good wins as of late. He beat TJ Dahani in his last fight. Dahani, a former uh, title holder himself. But I just don't see anything special in Michael Conlon. I do, well, I shouldn't say this. I don't see a lot special in Lee Wood either, but his last couple of fights have been really impressive. He beats an undefeated fighter in Reese Mould by knockout. In his last fight, he beat Zhu Khan. He not only knocked out Zukan. He was up on the scorecards at the time of the knockout. And if you know anything about Zukan, being up against him is tough because he is a huge volume punching guy. So Lee Wood in this fight is the underdog, plus 138 over at FanDuel. I am taking Lee Wood to win. I am also taking Wood to win by decision. I think Conlon's tough. I think he's going to hang in there. I think it's going to be close. It might be a split decision uh, over in the UK. But Lee Wood, plus 340 to win by decision. Take that. I'm going to bounce back big this week, and I'm doing it with Lee Wood. That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Akin Barak and Tyson Fury for joining the show. As always, subscribe, rate, review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you can download podcasts. And I'll see you next week.
Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Fuma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 